Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Welcome again. I want to welcome those uh, watching online. Uh, hey, you got an extra hour's worth of sleep. Yeah, all right. And of course, it's our last service that cheers the loudest for that. And uh, you were uh, a great seeing so many here. I, you know, after the last couple of services, uh, pretty full this weekend. And I'm like, will the 1115 crowd show up? And I, I really realize that most of you don't think the service starts till noon anyway. And uh, so uh, glad to uh, see you here. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. And if you're new around here, uh, we'll catch you up. But we've been studying a book of the Bible, the book of Titus. And we've looked at the theme that's in that book of the Bible is how to have resurgence in our life, our faith, and our leadership. You know, as I think about that, I think it's so important to understand uh, where we're at. We're coming up to Christmas shopping season. How many of you are uh, dedicated online shoppers? Okay, yeah, 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 all weekend long, the majority of you. How many of you like to shop at Costco because it means in the Greek word, the Lord dwells? Yeah, they, uh, it doesn't mean that, but it's, I, love, I, find, I find Jesus there. Uh, and, uh, and then there's them all. Uh, I don't go to the mall. Uh, I'm not a mall person. Uh, to me, the mall is like what, a physical manifestation of what hell would be like. And, but at this time of year, I have to go to the mall. And uh, I go there, and, and we, we use this terminology around here, uh, because you go to the mall, and they still have the maps there, and then they have this red dot, right? And the red dot says, you are here. And so, as we describe this growing in Christ, understanding where we're at, uh, that it's our red dot moment. And so, my goal for today is pretty simple. Uh, we're, the theme is how to keep momentum in your life and your faith going. But for us to understand that, we need to understand uh, exactly where we are. Our, our red dot is where are we in our life, in our faith? objectively as we look at that. See, here's what often we'll do, especially you come in a religious environment and you're like, okay, I got to pretend or uh, we over-exaggerate. I, ca I came across this. Uh, it was actually uh, from an HR manager about the applications uh, that the HR manager had received and how people, believe it or not, sometimes people embellish what they put on their resumes. Can you believe that happens? Yes. Uh, one, uh, but are they trying to make something bad sound good? One person said uh, this, my twin sister is an accountant, and so I'm sure I'm probably good with numbers. Uh, another person said this, quote, uh, they wanted this position to keep their parole officer happy. Uh, yeah, and I like how this one put a positive spin on it. It says, yes, I'm good at school. I graduated in the top 85% of my class. And then uh, this is my favorite one. Uh, this person wrote, I am fluent in multiple foreign accents. 
<laughs> now, here, here's why we're having a little bit of fun with this, is because if we're not honest about where, you're, where we're at, you're not going to have progress in your life, in your marriage, in your finances, in your faith. And so, what we do around here, we say we have a low shame level, because there's areas, hey, where you need to grow and I need to grow. And when we're honest about that, guess what we have? exponential growth in our faith in our life. We get to experience what the Bible says, John 10, 10. You, you can have life and life to its fullest. But it is conditional. And oftentimes you're saying, that's what God promised. Yes, but you have to understand it is conditional. You need to step into it. Otherwise, you're not going to experience it. And then you'll probably blame God for the outcome. So uh, one of the things that's significant for us is to understand where God has taken us. I talk to people uh, even this weekend, and people say, well, you know, I'm sort of stressed out about this or that, and, and, and I'll, I'll say, okay, well, wh what has God done in you? Oh, God's done more than I ever thought. I have a better position uh, than I ever thought I could ever have. Well, why don't you thank God first, celebrate that before you move on to God, hey, do this or do that, and that thankfulness in fact, if, you, if you're not gaining traction in your faith, oftentimes it's a thankfulness issue. So the Apostle Paul, he goes right into that, if you'll take your outline out of your program, and he says this, and I'm going to read fast so you need to listen fast. And he says, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want to stress these things, so that those who have trusted in God may be careful, and this is important because we need to be careful in our faith, to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Will you underline excellent and profitable for everyone? There, there's a reality that God wants us to step into, but it is our choice whether we take action. And I think for some of us, if we were going to be honest, we're like, hey, God has done great stuff in my life and I'm giving thanks. Others of us had said, yeah, but I'm sort of in the sort of. And if you sort of, it, it sort of let, let me put it uh, like this way. It's if you sort of work on your marriage, how does that work out? Sort of horribly, right? Have you ever sort of been on a diet? Yeah. And like, oh, yeah. I'm, and by the way, I, I eat perfectly. Yeah, I, no, I absolutely do every day until 9 p.m. And then it's like the floodgates open, and I discover I, I love sugar. And you know what? It doesn't work out that well. And so sort of doesn't work, sort of doesn't make progress, sort of doesn't, is not an accelerant for your life and faith. And so honestly, for some of us, I hope that you will move from sort of to all in. Now, we have to understand that there are some challenges along the way because we can get sidetracked. I, I think most people have great intentions. You know, people, well, most people have bad intentions. I don't believe that. But we get sidetracked, great good people get sidetracked. And this can happen in our life, in our leadership, and in our faith, certainly. 
So we're going to go through, we've been going through the book of Titus. Next week I start, start a new series, a little more topical uh, around uh, some of the stresses that we face in our life. But we've been going through this book of the Bible, the book of Titus. It was written by the Apostle Paul to Titus, a leader of a group of churches in Crete, which was like the Las Vegas of uh, that part of the world. And people are saying, how can I follow God in this environment? And he describes how you can actually do better in your faith even when the environment is not conducive to it. But he warns that you have to avoid certain things. Number one is dumb debates. Uh, you know what a dumb debate is, right? Well, if you don't, you're going to be with relatives during Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, and there's going to be, some of you are going to have the same argument you've been having for 27 years. And you know, you know it's true. And they're like, they don't, and uh, Paul says, but avoid foolish controversies. And what were the debates of, of those days? Well, one, and I've talked about this, especially the last few weeks, one, the inclusion of the Gentiles, the non-Jews, because Christianity stands in stark contrast to other faiths and worldviews that are either ethnocentric, they're centered on a language or something, but else like that, that's to a group. But even with the nation of Israel, God says, I've blessed you to be a blessing. You will be a light to the Gentiles. But they didn't get that. And so otherwise it would be, uh, I've said this every service we've had, how many of you come from the somewhat of a Jewish background? Okay, none at this service. So, oh, there, there's three of us. So if it was just about the Jewish people, three of us, we're going to heaven, the rest of you, you're going to hell. That's how this works out. <laughs> and uh, great for me, bummer for you. And, uh, but God said, no, 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 no. And so people were arguing about this. God had already decided the other thing was circumcision. I mean, I think it'll look this way. I have a hard time getting people to a three-hour membership class. Can you imagine if it included just a little surgery? <laughs> yeah, you know, it would be like, yeah, there's like, a, it'd be, hey, this is great. Why are all the men are waiting in the car? I don't know what's happening. So, uh, <laughs> but, but, but the they were having this argument. And, and so, the Apostle Paul says, uh, be careful. Be careful about dumb debates. A few years ago, we had someone who was passing out uh, flyers in the parking lot and not sanctioned by us. And it was like, hey, you know, uh, you know, this Christian devil music that's out there, which is evidently what we sing. And some of you just thought an usher had a bad day <laughs> or something. Uh, and, and, but, you know, I'm sure the person probably meant well well, what was, was it fruitful? Oh, I'm sure it's never been fruitful, only negative and destructive. Are they a bad person? I hope not. What is what they did? Did it accomplish anything? Nothing good. So be careful when you get into a dumb debate. I mean, right now, uh, so if you're on social media, which unfortunately I am just so I can educate the congregation. <laughs> the, uh, uh, so the big deal is now, you know, Kanye West, his new album, Jesus is King, and, uh, you know, there are people like, well, I don't know about Kanye. Is that, is that real? I don't know either. But one thing I know, it was never your job, job to judge. And you say, oh, well, I feel bad about that. That's okay. Don't feel bad. Just stop it. And you're saying, well, I need to say, no, you don't. In the name of the Lord, you need to shut your mouth. That's what you need to do. <laughs> So the, uh, and uh, uh, so when, because whenever anyone lifts up the name of Jesus Christ, well, he has a bad background. Great, 
qualified. <laughs> is his faith real? I have no idea. Maybe, maybe not. I hope so. Don't you? Yeah, my, I hope so. Because I remember, I'm going to find out how old you are today. How many of you remember someone named Bob Dylan? Okay, great, and you're still with us. This is awesome. <laughs> the, uh, because I remember uh, just keeping it real. So the, uh, it just, I remember when he came out with his album, uh, or, or not remember, but re remember reading about, because I'm quite young. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I don't know about you old people. Anyway, uh, but his album Saved which Rolling Stone magazine said musically is the best thing that Dylan ever did and one of the best albums ever produced in the 60s. See, I'm not educating you just on scripture, but on music today. And, uh, and, and, and people said, oh, he's probably not a, fo a follower of Christ, and they shunned him. And he said, okay, I'll just walk away. See, dumb debates can be devastating. And that's why, you know, people will ask me about other churches. I'm like, any church? Where Jesus is lifted up, I'm for. Well, what if they don't? No, I'm against them. I'm not for those. But any church that says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that God's word is powerful in our life, man, we may disagree on a lot. But if we can agree on that, God will do more than we can ask or imagine, it says in the book of Ephesians. So this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about, and it has application today. Number two is, and, and I know before you get angry, this Bible minutia. You're saying, Ben, there is no Bible minutia. Well, no, the Bible is God's word. But look at what the Apostle Paul says. This is not my opinion. I'm, we're just looking at Scripture right here. And he's talking about, the, and he says, in genealogies, genealogies and arguments, in quarrels about the law, which is Torah, which was the first five books of the Bible, that actually there were quarrels, but he said, because these are unprofitable and useless. See, there's uh, some things, like, for example, some things we don't know. And it's okay. God's okay with that. The Bible says Jesus will return. It is. That is the truth of Scripture. Some will say it'll be uh, before a time of great tribulation, some right in the middle, some right after. And you know what? We don't know. And there's people who are like, well, you have to believe what I... No, it doesn't really matter. Jesus is going to come back when he wants to come back. Isn't that good news? Yeah. And it doesn't really matter what I believe. Uh, now, if you want to know what's right, you can come talk to me afterwards. <laughs> but it, can, can we stay away from those kind of things? It's so important. I, I got a call uh, from someone called from the Seattle Times, which, by the way, is usually not a good day. And it was a couple years ago, and they, 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 the, the person uh, was, I want to know what Timberlake, uh, where they stand on the environment. And I'm like, we're for it. <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> and, but, you know, they, what they were asking is some political, well, yeah, there's no Christian position. There, uh, you may, I hope you're active politically, but to say there's a, the Jesus position, that, that would be a little bit arrogant to say that. But there are some things that are not minutia. Can I tell you that? That Jesus is Lord. That salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. He makes this quite clear. I know it's uncomfortable, but the Bible is not ambiguous in any way whatsoever. That Jesus Christ dying on the cross, that when I receive that forgiveness, I find salvation. And the Bible, it, even Acts 
It says, and there's no other way that I can get my sins forgiven, my hurts healed, except through what Jesus has done. And so I, I don't teach that to be right. I teach that because there's no hope without it. That, that God's word, the Bible, we don't worship the Bible, but it accurately represents what we need to know about God, that heaven is a real place. And what we decide in this life determines what happens in the next. That forgiveness is needed by every person, and that was accomplished on the cross of Jesus Christ. That Jesus will come again, and he will make everything right. There are things, and there's, there's more than that, but these are the things that we put our hope in. Another, yes, Lord? The, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Go ahead and take it. Give it to me. <laughs> the, uh, they're number three. I'm sorry. You're never coming back again. I love you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I did get a laugh, so I'm only sort of sorry. <laughs> but, uh, number three, division in politics. Uh, and, and so when the Bible talks about this, uh, it actually talks in quite harsh language. And so I'm glad it's not my language, but it is the language of the Scripture. And, and look at what it says. It says, uh, warn a divisive person once, and then after that, warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. It says that our people are so committed to division that they actually cause problems. Well, we know that. Because companies actually go out of business because of division. Families are torn apart forever because of division. We, friendships that were once so close, see, division has, even in Christian environments. Uh, in fact, people will say, you know, well, Timberlake seems so unified. Well, that's, you know, we're, we're five locations, multiple services. You don't know each other, and that's what keeps us unified. <laughs> and, uh, but truly, uh, it, it's interesting, if you look in the older part of the Bible, it says division is like the sin of witchcraft. I'm like, that's not a good thing. So we need to be careful. How do I know? Because how do I know if that's me? Because we all go there. I, I, think, I think everyone, if you're going to be honest, you'd say, you know, sometimes I can be that person. Is that you're an ally in negativity? Think about it in your workplace. By the way, if you just got promoted to management, uh, one, congratulations. Two, everyone's going to talk smack about you now. Welcome. <laughs> the, uh, but, and the truth is, am I someone who's an ally in that? Probably not a good thing. And actually, it'll affect your, your trajectory, your pay, your career. Not, in it, not positively. Or maybe you like those conversations. If people are constantly complaining to you, you need to say, am I a safe place for dissension? Maybe it's in your family, and there's going to be people, because we know that what's going to happen around Thanksgiving or Christmas, you're going to get together with family, and there's going to be that one person, and they're going to like, oh, can you believe them? And maybe you could say, you know what? I just, I, I'm praying that this is going to be a great year for them. What, will you pray with me? Uh, what's the matter? Are you a religious freak? Yes, I am. <laughs> and so, number four is toxic people. And here's the thing about toxic people is that, uh, you know those toxic people? You and I can be them. You and I can, because uh, every one of us, you know, I was, I was thinking, and I'm thinking about the holidays because it's coming up and all that kind of thing, and uh, 
So have you ever, well, I, this is, I try to talk to everyone, men and women, single people, but I got, for this second, I'm only talking to people, men who are married. Have you ever had your wife ask you a question and it wasn't really a question? Let me give you an example. Honey, do you want to pick that up? That is not a question. That is, may God deal with you ever so severely if you don't start picking up after yourself. So my wife asked me this question that wasn't really a question recently. She said, do you think it would be a good idea if we had family pictures again? And I'm like, Lord, no! <laughs> because I remember, and I don't know if you can remember way back, you remember the J.C. Penney Photography Studio? Yeah, one of the worst experiences of my life. And, and, and I was thinking about how bad it was and the money we paid for that. And then I, I, so I typed in, uh, you know, bad family photos. This picture came up. This, you know, they're like, he feels loved. He feels scared is what he feels. Uh, this one was a real bad idea. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, this one frightens me the most. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, ha I, I'm, having, I'm having a little bit of fun, obviously, this morning. I'm having a little bit of fun because I want you to hear this next part. So when it's talking about people who are in that toxic state, that it's not just about the corrosion that'll happen in your soul, it's what'll happen to other people. And so the Apostle Paul says, you may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. And you're like, I don't want to be that person. Fifth, he talks about staying offended. And this is important. I use that, that, that phraseology in, in a particular way because you can't help from being offended. There are things, people do things that are offensive, right? There will be people who will say something, someone will be entitled or smugged, they'll be mean, they'll be racist, and you're like, like being offended, okay. You know, but some of us, not only do we get offended easily, we stay offended. And, and, and so, there's been a lot written on this, actually, in secular psychology uh, as well, because sort of the, the culture of offense that we live in, but by Christian authors as is, is well. There's a book called Unoffendable by Brant Hansen, and he says this. He says, giving up your right to stay offended can be one of the most freeing, simplifying, relaxing, refreshing, stress-relieving, encouraging things you can do. It also can heal your marriage. It can make a workplace better. It can change the culture in, in your community, in your neighborhood. I think of enough of us it could change the environment, even the discussions we're having in broader culture. Dr. Stephen Taylor in Psychology Today written a number of articles, if you would go on that website, uh, about this. And, and he, he uses terms that, that, that are a little stark. He says that uh, sort of the staying offended is, is, in, is psychologically unhealthy. He says, we all feel slighted when we are not given the respect we deserve. Maybe someone forgets your birthday or doesn't return a call or they push in front of you in line. Psychologists call these narcissistic injuries. They bruise our egos, but before you react, think about the consequences. And, and, and he says that we tend to re re retaliate, and he says if a person reacts to your resentment, it can cause a full-scale feud. A good friendship can dissolve, a close family could needlessly fall apart. It's up to us to change 
the culture in our family or workplace. Proverbs 12.16 says, A fool lives in the insult, but it's to one's glory to overlook an offense. And, and you say, that's not fair. I agree with you. Look at what the Scripture it, it says. This It's describing sort of that state. And it says, we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. By the way, being unoffendable doesn't mean you start being offensive to people. You don't start being rude. And you say, Pastor Ben said I could be a jerk to you, you know. No, that's not it. No, we are called to a higher standard as followers of Christ. See, we need to know what we're trying to build, and that's what we're going to do. I'm going to uh, uh, lean in just a few short verses. Uh, it says, remind people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle towards everyone. And that's the life that God calls us to build. So what are the steps that are listed out? Number one, start with respect. Uh, this includes extra grace required people. Maybe it's a spouse, a, spouse, a, a, a child. We need to understand that everyone needs to feel honored. Doesn't matter what they've accomplished or not accomplished. Doesn't matter their background, how different than they are from you. That respect is a command that we're given in Scripture because we know every person is created in the image of God. Number two, do some good. And, and, and I get the objections to this whole unoffendable. Well, what about uh, injustices in society? I, I think you work to fix those. This is talking personally how you respond. And still in that, well, you, you know, you see societies where there's not the arbiter of some sense of faith. Feuds that have lasted literally for thousands of years. But when grace enters in, it changes everything. We find in First uh, Peter 20, 24, it says, If you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable. Before God, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in His mouth, yet they hurled insults at Him. He did not retaliate when He suffered. He made no threats. Instead, He entrusted Himself to the one who judges justly. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness." By his wounds you have been healed. At least number three, becoming a bridge builder. My guess is uh, tomorrow at work with your family, maybe when there's uh, some political discussion, that you'll find the opportunity to be a bridge builder. Now, grace doesn't mean gullibility. Forgiveness doesn't mean you trust automatically again. Number four, it's to seek understanding, that we need to understand. Oftentimes, we want to be understood, and we hold that as the highest value. Maturity, certainly maturity in Christ, is when we seek to understand other people. In fact, sometimes people say something, I, you know, I get in these conversations with people, and they'll say something completely offensive. I mean, it's uh, in how they'll talk about maybe another group of people. And even though I'm offended, I'm like, why do you think that way? Or uh, I was invited, I usually don't go to these things, it, 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 an interfaith gathering, 
and uh, invited to talk about uh, Christmas. Because normally, you know, I'm pretty much, I truly believe that through Jesus Christ is our only hope. And I thought, you know, what a great opportunity. A bunch of people from different faiths and worldviews, and they've invited me because they, they're like, well, you know, there's cr people there, but not one of those evangelicals. So I'm like a circus animal that they're letting out of a cage. And, uh, roar! Anyway, uh, uh, and I thought, what a great opportunity to dispel some myths and to say that Jesus, God became flesh and dwelt among us to bridge the gap so you wouldn't have to go through life alone, you wouldn't have to live under the weight of your sin, that you could know purpose and hope and how that's found through Jesus Christ. Number five, you got to lead with kindness. One of my favorite scriptures, I know I say that about a lot of scripture, is Romans 2.4 where it says God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. And, and so if God's been kind to you, if you understand that, maybe, maybe you're like someone, I had a conversation a few years back, someone from one of our other campuses, and they had started to question faith. They were, they were a teenager, and uh, someone literally came and said, uh, you know, you really you really need to stop asking these questions because you're ruining it for all the other kids. And so she walked away from God and church for 20 years until she went to one of our campuses and, and made a decision that, no, God's grace is real and it's for me. And maybe that happened to you, and I'm sorry if that happened. I truly am. But can I tell you something? Don't live in that hurt. Don't stay offended. You may have a right, but that will keep you from growth and health and peace, and that decision to stay there will be the impediment to any real progress in your life. Know that God shows His kindness to you, and He offers to you that you can make a decision to turn to Him. Or maybe for many of you, you've been like, yeah, I've sort of been. And God says, no more sort of. Step back into my grace. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.